Grace and peace. God bless you. This is Sateria Prophetic Ministries. I'm your host, Delisa Fields, and I'm so thankful that I was able to pull away time to um, to record this podcast. I am um, in my last finals, um, final weeks of my summer semester, and this is exam week. So um, needless to say, I have been um, on the grind trying to get my assignments in and papers in and um, just didn't know if I'd be able to pull time away. But thank God he allowed me to pull some time out of the day to um, share with you something that has really been on my heart. Um, I believe that this message is going to, um, I believe it's going to serve a twofold purpose. Number one, it's going to enlighten those who are in this situation. And I believe it's also going to provide strategy for those that God is going to use to pull some of these victims out. Um, so today we're talking about how to restore a fallen brother, and that's no gender, okay, female or male, how to restore the fallen, let's just say it like that, um, because there are um, many, many occasions in your life and mine where we go through things or we connect to people who go through things and they end up backsliding or end up just falling away um, from the faith, which we're actually in that season, that time, that dispensation, right? This is not a season, it's a dispensation um, of time where there is a great falling away. And some of that is because the man of perdition is being revealed and, and God, is, there's a separation of the sheep and goats. Jesus talked about it. Um, it's not something that we um you know it, it's a heavy subject okay it's a very heavy subject but a lot of what we're seeing has already been prophesied people of god and so you know it should not take us by surprise a lot of what we're seeing um you know among the body uh it, because jesus had already talked about it um so we, we see, we're seeing a lot of manifestations right now. Um, you know, maybe one day I'll talk about it. Today is not that day without me taking a rabbit trail somewhere. But we're seeing a lot of things right now. And so this is where we really have to, um, you know, as I always say, you know, study to show yourself approved, you know, you know, discipline your spirit, get into the word of God, because there are tremendous, um, tremendously strong spirits of deception out here. Um, it's strong. The Bible said if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. So it doesn't matter how anointed you are, how strong your gifts are flowing. If you're not rooted and grounded in the word of God, you can be deceived. So, you know, it, it, you must anchor yourself in the word, not even your dreams, not even what you feel, but anchor yourself in the word of God so that when the enemy comes like Jesus, you can resist him by it is written. Not I heard, my bishop said, my prophet said, I dreamed, I seen. You must be able to fight in this dispensation of time with the word of God, okay? So, um, yeah, we're talking about how to restore the fallen. And um, again, because of the dispensation that we're in, you're going to see it. And, and I, you know, I, I pray for those of you, some of you listening to me, you are in that fallen state. Um, you know, you're in church, you're still singing on the choir, you're still serving. But you're in a fallen state. And how do we know that? You know, look at the fruit. You know, look at the fruit. Are you doing what you do out of religiosity, out of the mechanics of serving? Or is it coming from your heart? Okay, only what you do for Christ will remain. Jesus said there will be many in the last days saying, Lord, Lord, have I not done these uh, things? Have I not prophesied and laid hands? And, 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 and yeah, the gifts work. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They'll, they'll come without repentance. That gift will still work. If somebody has the faith to believe God, that gift will work. They will put a demand on that gift and that gift will work. Okay, but after it's all said and done, that anointing will lift. It will no longer be a resident anointing. There will be something that will stir as a response to the, the, the pulling of the faith, the demand of faith, and um, it won't be a resident anointing. And, and so this is why, and I'm just going to say it, you know, this is why a lot of times we, we flock to certain things and, and, and we gravitate because that's when we feel, and you know it, that's when you feel anointed. You feel you come out of certain atmospheres and you feel like you can just take over the world. But that's something you're supposed to carry with you on an everyday basis. It shouldn't be something you get from an experience, from a movement, from a, uh, you know what I'm saying? It should be something, you know, resident within you. So, you 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 know, I, I, I encourage you to really examine, you know, what that flow looks like. Are you only able to flow 
when you're in church or you're around people or you're at a conference or is there a flow? You know, is there a constant flow or is there a constipated flow? So, you know, just just ask yourself. OK, um, these are very, very, very um, sobering times and serious times for the body of Christ. And um, you have to know um, if Christ is in you of a truth, not what you felt last year or 10 years ago. You have to examine yourself. OK, and make sure that you are rooted and grounded. OK, um, so anyway. We are in that in that this in that dispensation where um, there's a lot of movement, a lot of movement such as you have never seen before. And so, you know, a lot of times it can be distracting. It can be um, unsettling. But um, I, I encourage you to, um, you know, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast. That means stand still. You know what I'm saying? Stand still. Anyway, um, so I'm talking about how to restore the fallen because there'll be times even, um, you know, the Bible says God, God is married to the backslider. And, you know, when someone falls, um, you certainly, there is an attitude, a posture um, that we as the believing body, the, the believing ones um, have to maintain, you know, no matter what their sin is, whatever that is, um, you know, is to continue to be prayerful for them, um, continue to um you know, intercede for them, you know, per adventure, per adventure, oh Lord. The Bible is filled with examples of, you know, individuals who were related by family or what have you, and they've gone astray, and they yet had that intercessor. They yet had that person who would stand between them and God and intercede and intercede until God said otherwise. Samuel interceded for Saul as long as he could. And there will be times where the Lord will say, you know what, I'm done, I've moved on. Because in your intercession, and we talked about a lot a few weeks, a few podcasts ago, um, where as the result of your intercession, God will release angels. You know, he will release, um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll reveal himself to that individual. He will give them opportunities to repent, to draw near um, to, to him. And it's still contingent upon that person to respond. Okay. It's still contingent upon that person to respond. Um, gosh, there's so many examples I can give you in the word. Let me just give you a few because I, you know, listen, I will never just, you know, whether I'm ministering live or recorded, you know, it's my endeavor to always validate what I'm saying with scripture. You know, my words will pass away, but you know, heaven and earth will pass away before God's word will pass away. God's word is forever settled. So don't take my word for it. You know, I'm, I'm here to defend the case, defend the word of God. Um, in terms of Peter, Jesus knew ahead of time that Peter was, you know, going to experience a, a, um, you know, a, 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 a faith crisis for the lack of a better word. He knew that Peter was going to experience a, a faith crisis. And what did Jesus do? He said, Peter, I pray for you. Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but when you're, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus knew, even as he interceded for Peter, he said, before the cock crows thrice, you would have denied me. You would have betrayed me. And it happened just like Jesus said. Um, so before the thing happened, and I'm going to, so much scripture I got to give you. Um, Galatians 6, 1 talks about when you have a brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And so this is what Jesus did. Jesus saw Peter prophetically being overtaken in a fault. Um, you know, this is why you, those of you who are, who are prophetic, and, and, you know, I mean, seriously prophetic. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some of this fluffy stuff. I'm talking about ser the serious prophetic ones who are really walking in God, talking in God and hearing God, um, who can see things so far off and can help warn, uh, you know, individuals that, hey, I see trouble. You may want to, you know, you may want to, you know, kind of tighten up or you may want to, you know, whatever it, the occasion calls for. You may want to come on and, 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 you know, get closer to God because there's a season coming in your life where your faith is going to be shaken. Okay. Um, so Pete, Jesus saw this thing prophetically with Peter and he said, Peter, even, listen, even though he knew Peter was a rock, he declared it flesh and blood has not revealed us to you, but my uh, father has revealed it to you by his spirit. Right. Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church and very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And, you know, and that whole discourse, you know, Peter, you know, rose up and Jesus rebuked him and called him Satan the whole night because he understood the spirit that was operating in him. Um, so, you know, despite the anointing, and you got to hear me closely, people of God, despite the anointing that was resident on Peter's life, Jesus pronounced 
This ain't some bishop or some apostle laying hands. Jesus pronounced the anointing on Peter's life. Jesus did it. Jesus pronounced a blessing upon Peter's life. Jesus also turned around and said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. So Jesus was able to prophetically see a faith crisis that was going to occur in Peter's life. And he warned him. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 33 talks about when the, the, um, the watchmen that warned the people of God, that sound the alarm. But it's up to the individuals to respond. It was Jesus's job, and I believe he demonstrated that it's Jesus. It was Jesus's job to warn Peter, even in the earsight, um, in the earshot rather of those around him. This wasn't some secret undercover or something. Jesus said it where everyone heard it, you know, so that they bore witness to what Jesus was saying. Jesus said it, and it happened just as Jesus said. Uh, so when the cock, the the rooster crowed three times, the word of God it cut. Uh, Peter to his heart. Guess what? Peter still strayed, even at Jesus's crucifixion. Jesus, Peter still strayed. And I talked about this in a previous podcast, or I don't know if it was in church, I don't know. But I talked about how when Mary Magdalene went down to anoint Jesus' body, Jesus said, tell the disciples and Peter. So even after Jesus's resurrection, Peter was still disconnected. Okay? He was still disconnected. But Jesus called him to be a part of you know, this thing, because it was it was Peter's time to step and, and, and you know, and, and, and step into his ministry as far as on the day of Pentecost and all that. It was, you know, Jesus was setting him up for that. But understand something that took place. And this is why when, when you're dealing with someone who has fallen or God forbid, if you are in a fallen state, there is a response that you have to have. Now, Jesus, the Bible said he will leave the ninety nine and go after the one. But the one has to return. OK. The one, my sheep hear my voice, the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. So this is what sets, sets uh, the standards between the goats and the sheep. The sheep, even though they're straight, even though they've wandered, when they hear the father's voice, when, they, when, when someone says, hey, you know, I'm praying for you. The Lord is saying, come back home or God is calling you back into your place. They respond. Sheep don't fight the word of God. Goats will rebel. Well, what do you mean? Uh, stay out of my business. You judging me. Okay. That's a whole nother situation. And, and that's different. When Jesus told Mary Magdalene to summon Peter, Peter did not fight. Peter, because he understood, listen, even though he was in his fallen state, there was still a deposit. And this is where we, you know, the Bible talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. This is what tells the difference uh, between those who are called and those who, or I guess I should say, the sent ones and the went ones. Okay. When Mary Magdalene summoned Peter, even though Peter had defected, Peter was separate from the apostles. The great anointed Peter was going through a season. I call it a season of crazy, a, a faith crisis in his life, which we all do. Okay. We all go through fight faith crises. And I'm going to give you some, some Bible on this because I really want you to, to get this. And I'm, I'm moving fast because, uh, you know, I need to spend time with my family. Praise God. I've been studying for the last couple of days, almost nonstop. So we, we, we look at what hap was happening with Peter. Peter defected. Before Peter defected, Jesus saw it prophetically and prophesied it to him. When it happened, listen, even though it happened when the rooster crowed three times and Peter was cut to his heart, he still was unable to return. Even though he fully understood, hey, I know that, that I'm in a messed up place because Jesus said it was going to happen and it's happening just like he said. Peter had no peace. They said, aren't you one of those? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. he kept denying Jesus. He kept, the Bible said three times. At this point, condemnation set in. You know what that looks like. Condemnation sets in and he feels unworthy. So he's not even, by the time Jesus was resurrected, Peter is not even mentioned with the, with the 10 at this time, because Judas had defected, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's, that's a whole nother story. Um, so there's 10 at this time, Pete, Judas, Judas defected, Peter defected. The difference, and I've, I've always, I've always said this, the difference between G Peter and Judas is that Peter had a heart to repent. So even though you've fallen, even though you made a mistake, and we all sin and come short of the glory of God, but having a repentant heart is key. That's what, that is the telltale sign that you have a heart 
a, 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 a heart of compassion, what, um, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Lord, so I will give you a new heart. But when a person's heart is so hard and you try to warn them, you try to restore them, you try to prophetically warn them and they fight you, you, you're dealing with something different. It's not the same. So in Peter's case, Peter rebelled, Peter rejected, he abandoned Christ. Um, you know, Peter did all of these things. And by the time Jesus was resurrected, Peter wasn't even in place, y'all, to receive, to embrace him. But when he was called, Peter showed up. Do you see the difference? When Peter was summoned, Peter showed up. And what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do when they all gathered around? Jesus drilled Peter because Jesus had to make sure, listen, that the area that you fell in in this last season, you cannot, you cannot afford, I was going to say, you cannot afford to fall in that again. You should have learned your lesson. Right. We're no longer babes in Christ. When I was a child, I thought as a child, I behaved as a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away childish things. So what Jesus is, is drilling to Peter is, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. But what this was is that Jesus needed to make certain that Peter was healed, that Peter had recovered, and that Peter had been fully restored because he was about to launch Peter into the fullness of the ministry that he had seen even before Peter had fallen in the first place. Does that make any sense to you? So th this is the difference. When Judas went out, the Bible said when he departed, right, the Bible says Satan entered into him. Now, when you belong to Christ, even though all of us can let the devil use us, but he cannot, he cannot enter into, we can be influenced or oppressed, but we cannot be possessed because Christ possesses our souls. And the Holy Spirit has taken uh, a seat and is governing and ruling in our spirit and influencing our spirit. So, but this didn't happen with Judas. The Bible said Satan entered fully into him. If Satan enters fully into someone, then was there ever space for God there in the very beginning? The Bible tells us that when in, the, in, in the, the war in heaven, that Lucifer's tail drew one third. His place was cast out. He was nowhere to be found. So there, you can't, there's no coexistence. Either God is ruling or the enemy is ruling. But the Bible said Judas walked out and Satan entered into his heart. That's the difference. When Satan entered into his heart, the Bible said Judas went out into darkness. And his place was no more to be found. Judas started taking on the characteristics of Satan himself. He had he did not have the heart of repent of uh, repentance. He did not have the, a heart of, of remorse. He went out and and we know the story. That was it. Okay. So you see two people dealing with some very similar things. Both of them had a faith crisis, but you look at the response is different. The responses were different. And when Jesus brought Peter back in, Jesus drilled Peter. And so a lot of times when you look at restoring someone, you know, we read it. As a matter of fact, let me read it to you. Galatians chapter six, verse one says, uh, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So when you find here that where Peter was overtaken in a fault, that word, and y'all know I love to do my word studies. I want to tell you what that word overtaken means in the Greek. The word overtaken in the Greek is, it looks like prolabano. I'm not pronouncing that right, so don't quote me on that. But it's, it looks like prolabano, P-R-O-L-A-M-B-A-N-O. And that Greek word, the transliteration of that word, means to take by surprise. Do you see the difference there? Whereas, listen, Peter's fault, and that word fault is sin, okay, or, or trial or test or what, or trial, test, or sin or error, trial, test, sin, or error, is what that word fault means. Peter was caught by surprise. Now, how does that work? When, when this thing happened with Peter, listen, when things catch you by surprise, remember the scripture says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? There are things that, that are in us. Paul talked about this. He said, I war. He said, the things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he talked about this war. He said, There's a, there is a war in my members. 
There was a war in in, in uh, Paul's mind. There was a war in his spirit, even though he wanted to do the right thing. But you got to understand, you know, his soul was saved, right? But his mind still, he could still remember the people he killed. He can still remember what it felt like to be a, a legalist. He can remember when you get saved, you're, you're <laughs> good God almighty people of God. When you get saved, that's why the Bible says salvation is a process. Work out your own salvation. Your soul is saved. Now you got to save your mouth. You got to save your feet. You got to save your sexual desire. There's a salvation work that has to take over your whole life. Okay, so yes, your soul is saved. Jesus came and he saved your soul from a burning hell. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But that's not it. This is where you're talking about being a babe in Christ. This is where the fivefold comes to grow you up so that you'll be the full stature of a man. That means you mature in the way you deal with people. You mature in the way you handle yourself. You mature. You mature. You grow. You progress. You, 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 you don't stay the same. You know, Paul said, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I can't tell you because you're carnal. You still walk as a man. You still, you know, you're carnal minded. And can I tell you that carnal minded, <laughs> it means, you know, one translation says a meathead. Now, you know, that that's kind of a derogatory term when you hear somebody say, you you know, as kids, you know, you're a meathead, just kind of joking. Around. But that's what it literally means, a, a meathead. You know, just flesh, carnal, can't understand the things of God at all. So that's the difference. You just don't get saved and come to church and then that you just go home and no, you, you, you come to Bible study, you study, you pray, you fast, you attend different uh, events and things, you know, where you can learn, whether it's a Sunday school or a midweek, you, you keep, you know, striving because you, you are, this, this is a new life. Old things have passed away. All things become new. You, you are bathed. So you have to learn all over again on the day of Pentecost, the gift of tongue, the gift of the Holy Ghost came in the form of a tongue. Why? You have to learn how to talk because you've got all of these people out here you've got to minister to and the spirit of God needs to anoint and ordain your tongue to do the work. So that word overtaken means to be caught by surprise. This is nothing that is intentional. There are some people, even believers, who, in, who <laughs> they, cre they commit premeditated sin. They've planned it. They've texted it, they've emailed it, they've inboxed it, and they have already determined this is what I'm getting ready to do. They 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 know the consequences. They may not know the full extent, but they know, you, you know something's coming. I mean, come on, you know something is coming. But they will do that, you know, uh, 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 fully cognizant. These are not ignorant people. When you, when you commit, premeditated sin you know you're going to sleep with that man you know you're going to sleep with that woman you know you're going to you know, you know what you're going to do because you planned it you've already talked about friday this is what i'm going to do so it's this is it's not you weren't overtaken <laughs> you understand you're not you you weren't overtaken you 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 my god this is different it was premeditated judas's sin was premeditated judas's fall from his ministry, from the things God called him to, was premeditated. Why? He kept meeting with the scribes and Pharisees. He kept giving them information about where Jesus was. He kept feeding and 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 have you know what I'm saying? He kept he kept playing with it. He kept playing with it to the point the Bible says Satan fully entered into him. So with Peter, he was overtaken. It caught him by surprise. Peter didn't say, "Well, I'm getting ready to deny Jesus three times." Jesus, Peter wouldn't even believe it when Jesus told him that this is what's getting ready to happen to you. No, Lord, not so. Blah, 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 blah. Peter wouldn't even believe it. But Judas fully intended to do what he did. He had the 30 tokens of silver. Even when they met Jesus in the, in the, in the uh, garden, they told him, kiss him on the cheek. So this is not, he wasn't overtaken. He, this was premeditated, uh, people of God. This is different. OK, so, you know, and I, I want to make this point real plain so that we don't we don't we don't miss it. We don't miss this again. We, we're living in some very um, challenging times. And as a believer, you've got to have wisdom like never before. 
So let me finish this and I'm going to move on and give you a few other examples because I really want to make sure that, that there's an understanding um, that the Holy Spirit is able to convey um, to those of you who are listening. So this this word overtaking, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, if you, a brother is overtaken in a fall, you which you which is spiritual restore such a one spirit of meekness. The word overtaken is, is and I told y'all, I, I can't pronounce it, um, is but it's prolabanyo. Okay, and it literally means, or is translated, translatively means to surprise. Okay, uh, it, in other words, it catches you before you've had a chance to escape. So it's it's an element of surprise. And and let me give you an example. Just let me just kind of help you. It may be something to where, um, you know, someone says something to you, and before you know it, you know what I'm saying, you just fly off and and, and respond back. Or, you know, somebody, you you know, I, I don't really, I don't want to, listen, I got to, I, I try to guard my mind. So I don't really take, I don't like to imagine a whole lot of stuff, but um, you definitely got to watch imaginations. People got to get you so in trouble. But, you know, it just, it's a situation to where you, you were caught up in something that took you by surprise. It was not premeditated. Um, it, it just happened. Okay. And, and I'm going to leave it like that. You can let that go wherever you need it to go but it's it's a situation it's a sin an error test or trial that takes you by surprise okay so paul is saying here to the church of um galatia which is an an admonishment for all of us you have a brother that's overtaken someone who was caught up in something that caught them by surprise you which are spiritual what does that mean that means someone who's mature enough to handle that person's sin, that person's error, that person's test. Look, can I say something to you? Not everybody that is coming to help you is spiritually is spiritual enough or mature enough to help you. You already caught up in something. You embarrassed. You're ashamed. And here, here you have some, you know, person coming along with, you know, the Lord told me to help you. The Lord told me to stand beside you. The Lord told me to connect with you. And then the next thing you know, your stuff is is spreading. That's not. That's not. That's not what Galatians 6, 1 means. That means that when you went, listen, and God will send someone to you. Okay. God is going to go after that lost sheep. He's going to send someone to you. He's going to send a mature, some, if you don't already have that. Some, some of y'all are blessed to already have mature people in your camp and they can see your stuff. And, and they're like, you know what? I, I know you messed up. Come on. Let's, let's, let's just, let's pray. Let's fast. Let's talk about it. Let's get you the deliverance that you need. Let me give you some scriptures or let me give you some counsel, or in some cases, just let me give you a hug. And, and so you can release condemnation and guilt and shame and all that other stuff that goes along with being caught up in some stuff. So you're blessed if you have someone like that, that when you're caught up not to say you get caught up because you got somebody, you know what I'm saying? That's premeditated and that's different. But when you're caught up in something, something just, it, it just, it happened. Things happen. Things happen. And, and, and you got, you got yourself overtaken. It took you over. You didn't think it was going to lead to that. You didn't think this was going to happen. You didn't think you were going to say that you didn't think you were going to do that, but it happened. And so God has designed someone who is mature enough to help you in that season where you've been overtaken. And so this is what happened with Mary Magdalene. When, when Peter had defected and Peter had separated himself from the flock, God said, Mary, go and tell Peter. You see what I'm saying? God has someone to come and get you or who will reel you in or who will cover you. He has someone, if you're his sheep, if you're his sheep, he has someone. Now, in Judas' case, nobody went behind Judas. No one called Judas. Nobody texted Judas. Nobody emailed him. Nobody inboxed him. This was different. And I, I know that's a hard saying. I, I know some of you like, man, and I, you know, I'm just, I, I can't sugarcoat it, people of God. I'm just telling you what it is. No one went behind Judas. And a lot of times you'll find that, you know, well, nobody called me, nobody so and so and so. Well, then in times like that, look at yourself. Why would God send someone to you? Why would, when it's been premeditated, you've intended to do it, you've continued to do it, you've heard the warning, and you continue to, in that situation, go to God for yourself. Don't wait for somebody to come to you. Go to God for yourself. 
So you which are spiritual, restore such a one. Let's go back and look at that word restore and let's see what the Bible is saying about that. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, we know the overtaking means somebody's caught by surprise. By surprise. Um, that word restore is transliterated um catartizo catartizo all right and that word transliterated means um to mend or to be made perfect or to mature you or grow you up to join you listen to perfectly join you together what are you being joined to you being joined back to what you were separated from in the first place you being is that person is anointed to mend you. They have a healing grace from the Father to stitch you up and put you back together again. Because being overtaken, it, it, it will certainly shred your dignity. It will shred your dignity. Condemnation is going to rip you apart. The enemy is going to rip you apart. The folk that you did your stuff with is going to rip you apart. And so God sends someone who is mature enough, who is anointed to heal you. Even the Bible says, I will heal you of your backslidings. You have to be healed from backsliding. Why? Because being backslidden will wound you. There's a wound that comes from backsliding. Okay? And so you, uh, the person who God has anointed to handle you, all right, has to be anointed for that pur purpose because you're already in a critical situation. You're already bleeding. You're already wounded. You're already dealing with shame and you, you, all of that, all of that. And so the person, all persons, could be more than one, uh, that God has, um, is grace to do that. So here's the question for you. If you're, if God forbid, but if you're in that fallen state, who's handling you? Is, is, or are the person handling you, do they have the anointing to heal? Have you seen them heal anybody else? Have you seen them restore anybody? It's kind of common sense stuff. You know, if you're in a fallen state and, and you feel that you need to connect to so-and-so, so then my thing would be, you know, well, what, what, you know, what have they done in the past? If so, you know, do you have any kind of reputation for restoring fallen people? Or are you just the closest person on my phone tree? Because that person can leave you worse than you were before. You're already wounded. You're already fallen. You're already condemned. You've already been taken over. So you can't really afford in that season of your life to just put your stuff in anybody's hands. They have to be spiritual, mature enough to handle you and deal firmly with you. I'll take you back to Jesus, Jesus example. This, and, and <laughs> hear me very, very carefully. When you are restoring someone, those of you who are graced in that area to heal people from their backsliding, you have to move in the spirit of courage, of boldness, and you must be firm. Well, why do you say that? Why, why should you say you got to be? Because you have to, you, you've got to, as you are restoring the person, number the, one of the first things you got to deal with, first of all, is their mentality. You've got to get them to understand, do you know what you just did? You know, this is nothing to take lightly. You could have died in that fallen season and, 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 and your soul could have been lost in hell forever. You see what I'm saying? That's why it takes somebody mature to handle it, who number one is not afraid of you. Number two is, is is not trying to fleece you, trying to get some money off you. Number three, somebody who is not going to spare for your crying and your tears. But someone who will deal very firmly with you. Okay, I'm going to give you some scripture. Just hold on because I, I got word for this. Jesus dealt firmly with Peter outside of everybody else. He called Peter out. And he dealt firmly. How do you know he dealt firmly? Because the Bible said it grieved Peter that Jesus kept asking him that. It grieved him. So sometimes as you're restoring people, you're going to grieve them. Why? Because you're going to bring their sin right up to their face. Now, I'm not talking about condemnation. That's not what you do. That's why I said you got to be spiritual. You got to be mature. Not, well, I can't believe you, 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 you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever your thing looks like. They, they won't do that. But they will get you to understand, do you know what you did? Do you understand that you could have died and lost your soul in hell? Do you understand that you could have opened doors for generational curses? Do you understand that while you was fallen and overtaken, that, that there were ministry works that you were supposed to do that you missed? Do you understand there were souls that there was required of your hand? You have to be firm. You have to be firm. 
because this is a matter of eternity. This is not, oh, I messed up. I need somebody help. No, no, no. This is a matter of eternity, not just yours, but people who are connected to you. This is serious business. And P Jesus understood, Peter, you have on one day, Peter, you're going to summon 3000 people into the kingdom of heaven. One day you're going to be responsible for 3000 souls. So I'm not going to play with you. I'm not going to let you off easy. I'm not going to slap you on the wrist or pat you on the backside and say, it's okay. It'll be all right. Jesus, let me know. This is not the conversation that we're going to have. We're going to sit down and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. Now, how many times, you know, I warned you, I told you this was going to happen. You heard the rooster crow three times. You, 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 you know, you, you knew what happened in, in the garden when you cut off Malchus ear because you was walking in the flesh even then and you operated in violence. So, Peter, you had been showing signs of, of, of this crisis all along. I told you, I warned you in front of everybody. And it happened just like I told you. Now, you know, it's time to bring you back in. But you understand this. You can never do that again. I'm not saying you can't fall and make a mistake, but you can never repeat that one again. You have to be firm. Let me give you some Bible on this one. Um, oh, hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is the um, account of David and Bathsheba. And I'm just going to read the last few verses of the, uh, David 11, 2 Samuel 11, and then we're going to go straight into 2 Samuel chapter 12. And let me show you how Dave, excuse me, Nathan deals with David. Okay. Talking about how to restore the fallen. 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible says, um, verse 27. Okay. Read all of that. If you're not familiar with it, please go back and read it. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27. And when the morning, morning was passed after Bathsheba mourned the death of her husband, Uriah, when the morning was passed, David sent and fetched her to be his wife, excuse me, fetched her to his house and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. Okay. Let's look over to the next chapter. Second Samuel, uh, Let's look at chapter 12. Let me see where I want to. Verse 12. Excuse me. Second Samuel 12, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Remember what I said in Galatians 6, 1. He that is spiritual. Okay. Nathan is a prophet. He was one of David's covering prophets. David had three prophets who covered him. Samuel, Nathan, Gad. Three prophets. Uh. The Lord sent Nathan unto David and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. Now I'm not going to read all of this because Nathan uses wisdom. Remember what I said about this person who is, who has the anointing and who has the grace to restore, you know, there's a wisdom, there's an insight. You just can't, you know, cause again, understand what people are dealing with when they're fallen. So you just can't come to them like you just come to them. All right. Nathan here uses a parable. I'm not going to read all of it. All right. Let's move down. Verse five. So when Nathan gets done with the parable, here's David's response. Check this out. Second Samuel 12, verse five. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man talking about the man in Nathan's parable. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. In verse seven, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Now, remember what I said about the confrontation? Remember what I said about the, being, you know, the, the seriousness of the act that was done. Dave, David was king, you know, and, and, you know, he was talking to the king. The Bible says he's a man of God's own heart. David was a prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, evangelist, all in one before his time. Okay, David prophesied Christ. They all, the man was bad. I mean, good, bad. <laughs> but he here he did some bad things for real, for real. So, again, this can happen to anybody. This can happen to anybody. This was a situation to where David was overtaken. Well, how do you know David was overtaken? Because he didn't plan to take Bathsheba from off out of her house. Now, he planned the murder. That was a subsequent action. OK, but the, initially when David was on his roof and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath, he was caught up. And y'all know what that looks like. OK, 
He was caught up. He was taken by surprise. It wasn't like David said, hmm, it's about nine o'clock on a Friday night. Bathsheba is going to be taking a bath. I think I'm going to go and be a peeping Tom. This was not what happened, my friends. David was caught up. He's strolling, meditating, which he should have been on the battlefield. But that's a whole nother story about being where you're supposed to be. So you don't get caught up in some stuff, but I won't go there. But David should have been on the battlefield. Okay, you're the king. You're supposed to lead the army. But he's on the rooftop and he's meditating like David does. As he's meditating, he happens to see this woman, beautiful woman, taking her bath. Well, nature takes its course, right? And the rest is history. The next thing you know, the woman is pregnant. And so this is why David had to put in plan this action to, to deal with Uriah. That's a whole other thing. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But what I'm, what, I, what I'm bringing to your attention is him being overtaken, caught up caught by surprise he was caught could he you know should he have said no yeah he should have said no all of us had <laughs> should have said no but we didn't right so you can't put that on him and you didn't do it he didn't say no he he it, it happened okay it happened like it happens so this woman gets pregnant and now the situation has gone from bad to worse and he puts in plan the uriah thing and all that okay but Nathan, God says, Nathan, I, I need you to go and deal with David. David is my son. He's a man after my own, my own heart. He's my prophet. He's my priest. He's my king. He's, you know, he, I'm, I'm very angry with him right now. And I cannot allow him to remain in the state that he's in. Same thing that Jesus did with Mary Magdalene. Go and tell Peter. I, I, you know, he, he has betrayed me. He has denied me, but I cannot allow him. I've invested too much in him. Go get him. Nathan goes after David. Nathan gives David his parable because Nathan understands that even though David sinned, David is still king. Again, he, that is spiritual. You gotta be mature. There's a certain way you have to go to people. You know, there, first of all, needs to be a relationship formed. Mary had a relationship with Peter. Jesus certainly had a relationship with Peter. So yeah, you can, you can, there are some people that can come at me and there's some folks, don't you try it, right? You're the same way. There's some people that can come in and, and call you to the carpet. And there's some other folks like, I wish you would, you know, because we don't have that kind of relationship. That's just human, that's just human nature. So David's anger was greatly kindled against a man, excuse me, verse seven. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom, and I gave you the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would have given, I would have more over given unto you this, that, and so forth. Wherefore have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, you took his wife to be your wife, and you have slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now the sword shall never depart from your house. And we know that was a generational curse. Remember what I said. Remember what I said. In your fallen state, there are things that you could have done that could have triggered the wrath of God to your generations. And yeah, I, if that shook you, praise God. Again, that's why Peter dealt with, G, uh, excuse me, Jesus dealt with Peter like he did. Do you love me? Do you love me? If you love me, this is what I need you to do. This is how I need you to do it. This is what I expect from you. And the Bible said it grieved Peter because he knew why Jesus was saying those things to him. Jesus didn't say that to nobody else except Peter. When Nathan had the conversation with David, Nathan dealt with him firmly. And here's the difference. Remember what I said about the goats and the sheep and Judas and, and Peter? They took it. If you're dealing, if God has, has, is using you, is assigning you to deal with someone who's fallen, right? And they buck and they fight against you. My friends, you have your verdict. Because no matter how you come at that, and again, spiritually, you'll know how to do it. But no matter how firm, no matter how, how, how sharp this thing may become, they will humble themselves. Peter humbled himself. David humbled himself and they accepted it. David said, against you, against you only, Lord, have I done this thing in your sight? Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Watch me, purge you. He did not fight Nathan. 
well, who do you think you are? I'm the king. I'm this. A matter of fact, the bread you eat come off my table. The clothes you wear come off my. Who do you think you are? You see the difference? Who are you to judge me? Who you think you are? You just a man like me. You just a woman like me. You you made mistakes too. You see the difference. Just uh, if you don't know, just listen. The Bible said a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. If you're dealing with a person who is really called of God, even though they're caught up in some crazy stuff and you deal with them, if that person has the heart of God, they will repent and say, you know what? I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize I did that. I, 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 what can I do? How can I fix this? What, what, you know, what do you need? What, what is God saying to me? What does he need from me in this hour? What, how do I need to, they will have a heart to repent. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to make it right. When Jesus dealt with Paul, now Jesus dealt with Paul himself. And he said, I'm going to show you the things that you're going to suffer for my name's sake. Jesus, the Lord even allowed a messenger of Satan to buffet Paul three times. Uh, excuse me, buffet Saul, uh, Paul. And Paul cried out three times and the Lord said, no, I will not. He would not remove it. He would not remove it. Why? Because Jesus knew it's, it's great. A uh, 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 orator that Paul was, he said, because of the abundance of revelation, he said, you know too much. You know too much. And so I'm going to allow this thing to keep you humble so you never forget where I brought you from. You never forget who whose you are. Not who you are, but whose you are. You see what I'm saying? So, uh, oh, this is my God. So Nathan deals with David. And this is no, oh, mighty man of God, you're so anointed, you're getting ready to go to the nations and God said he's going to fight your enemy. No, this is not that kind of conversation. He told David, excuse me, Nathan dealt with David and he said, God did all of this for you. And you mean to tell me the way that you thank him is to turn around and do this? This is how you, this, this is how you thank God. This is how you show him your appreciation for what he has delivered you from. What he's, this is how you thank him? This this is this is how you worship man after God's own heart. You know, it, sometimes it takes that. Sometimes when you if you any of you have ever been an athlete or have been in a locker room and you'll see that that coach will get in his players faces. I mean, to the point where spit is flying. And yeah, the players get mad. They get upset. They get whatever. But you know what? They get out there on that field and they go hard. Why? Because somebody stood up to them and told them the truth, even though it may have been a hard truth. It wasn't what they wanted to hear, but it was what they needed to hear. Sometimes, and this is what the Bible said, we got right now, we have a generation of people with itching ears. They, don't tell me about my sin. Tell me how anointed I am. Tell me how many gifts and spirit and, and gifts I got. Tell me I'm getting ready to get married. Tell me about my boo. Tell me about my Boaz. Tell me about my Esther. Tell me about my new house and my new car. Tell me all of this stuff and make me feel good, but don't you dare. You tell me about my sin and I'm leaving. You tell me about my sin and I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to spray you up on social media. That's the kind of stuff that you're dealing with. So the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. God sends you to somebody to restore them and they fight you. Wash your hands. When Saul, when Samuel tried to correct Saul, Samuel said, what is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ear? Didn't the Lord tell you to utterly destroy the Amalekites and everything and you kept the king alive? And what did Saul do? Saul clapped back. Well, I, you know, I, you know, I, the people said it. Never mind him saying, Lord, I, I repent. Samuel, you're right. I did disobey God. I, you know, because partial disobedience is full. This partial obedience is full disobedience. Um, you're right. Man of God, I'm so sorry. How can I make this right with God? What can I sacrifice? What can I do? No, it was none of that. It was none of that. And when Samuel, when Samuel saw the response that Saul had, Samuel turned to walk away. And what happened? Saul ripped at him. You see what I'm saying? This is the difference, people of God. This is the difference. If you want to know, if you want to know. He, the same one that God used to ordain uh, 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 um, Saul said, he said, I was little in my own eyes. And he already came from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was a disgraced tribe all the way from the back of book of Judges. They were the smallest tribe. They were the disgraced tribe. When Samuel went to anoint Saul, Saul, the Bible said, was hiding behind the stuff, behind baggage. His own emotional baggage, his personality baggage. 
and he carried that baggage throughout his reign and, and that baggage killed him, him and his whole family. This is, this is very sobering, my friends. Okay. And I want you to hear the urgency. I want you to really get what I'm saying to you. Uh, so when Samuel tried to correct him, Samuel, Saul, when Samuel tried to correct Saul, Saul fought back. He fought back. And, and, and when Samuel walked away, here goes Saul. Well, come on and, and walk with me and let's worship together. Watch that. Watch that. You, you cannot worship together with everybody. You cannot hold hands with everybody. Samuel said, I will not. I, I refuse. The wrath of God is on your life, man. Why, why, why would I? The Bible said, how can two walk against the There's no agreement. We have nothing in common. You have trespassed the covenants of God, the commandments of God, and, and you've made excuses for it. There's even no repentance in you, but you want me to walk around and worship with you so everybody can see that you're the great king and I'm co-signing your nonsense. The devil is a lie. And when, when Samuel told Saul no and walked away, Saul ripped and tore his clothes. And you will see that happen. When people can't get their way, they will rip you, rip your reputation, rip your ministry. Rip, they will rip you. Watch, watch, watch. And that's all you ain't got to ask God. Well, Lord, show me what's in the person. God already showed you that. <laughs> you, you're seeing it right now. You don't need no other revelation. It's before you. Okay. One more scripture, and this is in, oh gosh, I thought I saved it. I thought I saved it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is with Abraham and Lot, and I talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. Um, this is in Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 through 24, and I'm not going to read it because I just did a whole whole spill on it a couple of days ago. Um, but this is it's the context of it is found in Genesis chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. I'll just read the whole chapter, Genesis 24. Genesis 14, excuse me. And this is where um, Lot, I did the message on um, Remember Lot's Wife. And so you may want to go back and just kind of get some some insight off of that one. But anyway, um, I was talking about how, what was I talking about? How Lot was, was kidnapped, okay? Um, he was kidnapped. And so Abraham goes to restore him, all right? If you think about it in that terms, he's kidnapped or he's in bondage. And he was overtaken. He was caught by surprise because, listen, he didn't wake up that day and say, hmm, about four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to be kidnapped. He was he was overtaken. So that's the context that I'm going to apply to that. Lot was overtaken in a fault, first of all, because you had no business there. OK, um, praise God. So so Abraham, he goes to restore his nephew. And this is in Genesis chapter 14. He goes to restore his nephew. Abraham takes his army. Remember I told you 318 men, souls that he raised in his own house. He put his own army at, at, at risk to go and, and, and restore his nephew. What does Lot do after Abraham restores him? Remember what I said? Look at the response. The trees, nobody fruit that it been. Look at what happens. When Abraham brings Lot out, Abraham is thinking Lot is going to come home, you know, come on back to the church. Come on back to Jesus. Come on back to your husband. Come on back to your wife. Come back to your kids. Go back and get your job back. You know, trying to bring him back to a place of stability where he won't have to be uh, subject to being bound up again. Right. A place of safety. Uh, what does Lot do? Lot goes right back to Sodom. I gave you a scripture a couple of podcasts ago talking about the, 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 and I think it may have been that one. I um, remember Lot's wife about the pig that returns to the mud, dog returned to his vomit, went right back, went right back to the very thing that bound him up in the first place. So the next time when God comes down and says, I'm going to visit Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham doesn't go. Abraham prays for him. And we know the story. The angels went, tried to rescue Lot, and they nearly had to pick him and his family up to get him out of there. They tell Abraham, go to the high place. Abraham said, no, I want to go to the valley. His wife turns around. She's consumed. And then what happens? When they get out, uh, uh, Lot gets drunk, and his two daughters go in and rape him. Why? Why? Because he returned back to that same bondage. And not only did he return to the bondage, he opened doors in his bloodline for sexual sin. Isn't that the same thing that Nathan said to David? 
the sword of the Lord will never depart from your house. You see what I'm saying? People In that fallen state, there are things that happen, spiritual transactions that happen. And so when somebody is dealing with you, they can't listen. They, they're not sparing. The Bible says a fool, a rod for the fool's back. They, and I'm not calling nobody a fool, but I'm just saying a fool. The Bible says a fool is one that does not regard God. A fool says there is no God. And when you when you're in a situation to where you're not repentant, you don't see nothing wrong with what you did. You are up. I'm not calling you a fool, but you are operating in the spirit of a fool. OK. And and so in a situation like that, the Bible says there's a rod for the fool's back. That means correction comes. Wrath, judgment comes to the person operating in that foolish spirit. So I'm closing this up. Uh, So you have here Abraham going to restore his nephew. Lot does not want to come back. Lot is just wants a measure. And that's how some people are. Unfortunately, they just want to, sometimes the heat of that trial is on them and they just want like, um, the rich man told Lazarus, just dip your finger and tongue in water and parch my, my, and and touch my, uh, um, what is it? My parched tongue. For I'm being tormented in these flames. He knew he couldn't come out, but he just wanted a measure of relief. And there's some people that they don't want to come out of their sin. The Bible said, come out from among them, be ye separate, right? There's some people that don't want to come out. They like, some people like their sin. They really like it. They like the way it makes them feel. And before you and I got saved, we used to like our sin too. I know I did. I liked my sin a whole lot. That's why God had to save me from it and <laughs> deliver me from the demons that gave me a predisposition for going back to it. So there are some people who like their sins. Lot liked Sodom and Gomorrah. And so even though uh, Abraham came and rescued him, the minute Lot got himself together and shook himself off, he went right back to it. The dog returned to his vomit. The pig returned to a wallowing in the mire. That's what the Bible says. Abraham didn't go after him the second time. All he did was pray. And I mean, I'm not saying all he did was pray like that's, you know, all he did. There was power in that prayer. That prayer released angels. Come on, somebody. But he did, he was not obligated to go get up and go after him. Because Lot had already shown him, I don't want to come out of this. I like this. Again, the tree is known by the fruit that it bears. So I'm done. This uh, message is, um, is one that I pray uh, will really speak to your heart. Again, if you are that fallen one or if you are the one tasked with restoring the fallen one, you know, there's a certain way you got to you, you got to consider yourself too. Let you be. Listen, consider yourself. If it was me. Don't play with me. I remember. Let me say this years ago. And I was I was a uh, let me see. I had to be how old was I? maybe 19, 20, 20, 21. I think I was 21. And, um, you know, I was growing in the things of God. And but I was I was. I was, um, let's see how I can put this. I was caught up in some things. Okay. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't really think it was, I didn't, I didn't think it was a bad thing, you know, um, in my mind. Right. I mean, I'm still kind of growing and didn't really know a whole lot, but, um, I, I didn't think that it was as bad as what it was being made out to be. Anyway, um, this woman of God came to me and she sat me down. And she said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And she shared with me what the Lord had said about the thing that I was doing. And again, to me, it didn't seem, it seemed innocent, but like Nathan told David, it, it, um, like the Bible said, it, it, the thing that I was doing had displeased the Lord. And, um, but I didn't know it. And so the woman of God came to me, like I said, I was like 2021 and she shared with me what was on the Lord's heart. And she told me, "I, I will never forget this as long as I live. She said, now you got a choice. She said, you can either keep doing that. She said, but if you do, she said, the Lord's going to depart from you. She said, so you can keep, because I was like, I'm not doing it. You know, it's not that bad. She said, well, you got a choice. She said, you can keep doing that. And if you do, the Lord's going to depart from you. Or you can come out from that and you can grow in God. And she left me right there. It wasn't no, you know, you know, she didn't sugarcoat it. She didn't fix it you know, paint it pretty. She just gave it to me point blank. And I sat there. I mean, it, it, the conversation was so riveting that I just sat there kind of stupefied because I was like, 
in my mind, I was like, I didn't think what I was doing was that bad, you know, but I feared God now. I, I didn't play. I knew, you know, and I trusted her voice. I knew she was a mature saint. So I trusted what she was saying. And, um, I went home that night and I had, and I, you know, I kind of prayed and I said, Lord, I said, I said, I didn't know that, um, that, you know, I was displeasing you. You know, that was during the time I was just kind of really walking into my stuff as a seer and, you know, all of that. And I said, God, I said, I didn't know I was doing I, that. What I was doing was displeasing. I didn't know there was anything wrong with it. And I said, but God, I said, if this is what you want. I said, I'll, I'll pull away. I'll pull back. And I, I and let me tell you something. That was a very hard thing for me to do because the, 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 what I was caught up in, um, you know, was something very dear to my heart. And it, it was, it, there was a soul tie there. This is nothing sexual, nothing like that, y'all. Um, but there was a soul tie there because I was very close um, to this individual. But I had to pull back. I had to pull back. And when I did, that's when I saw what God was showing me. Um, I, I, when I pulled back, because sometimes you can't see a thing when you're in the thing. Sometimes you have to step outside and see it, right? And so when I stepped outside of that um, relationship, I started to see some things and, um, and I, I saw exactly what I saw, what the enemy's plan with the enemy was. The enemy's plan was to keep me carnal playing all the time, you know, and, this, and, and I had a, you know, the column of God on my life, you know, was, was, was too strong for that. And God was calling me out of that. Um, and I had, I had to sit down with, you know, with people and I had to say, Hey, I can't do this no more. I can't, we can't, I can't, you know, and it was hurtful. I mean, it was tears shed or whatnot, but I had to make a decision. I had to stop. I had to pull back. I had to pull away and I had to walk alone for a season. And that took some adjustment for me because, you know, I was used come on 21 years old. I'm used to having fun. You know, I'm used to, you know, doing things. And, um, it, it was, it was, um, a, a, it was a shift, a culture shift for me and a culture shock, but I had to obey God. Now that I look back over my life, that was a very hard decision, but I thank God that I did that. I, and I thank God that that woman of God came to me and sat me down and did not play with me. So the Bible says, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. The same way you want somebody to come to you and tell you the truth when your soul is in trouble, when, when, when the enemy is out to devour you, to, to consume you. The same way you, and, and we say that too, you know, I, I want people to tell me the truth, but then when they tell you, do you really receive it? It sounds real good and spiritual to say that. Tell me the truth. I, I tell me, I don't want my soul to be lost. But then when somebody tells you something, here comes the attitude. Who you think you are, so and so and so. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? So with me, I thank God that the woman of God came to me and warned me. And, and it was a humiliating conversation. When somebody's checking you, it does not feel good at all. It was humiliating. But I took it. I questioned her and she told me what that said the Lord. And then I went and I talked to God for myself and the Lord said, yeah, yeah, I, I said that. And this is what I need you to do. And when I did that, I promise you guys, I was able to see it because when you, sometimes when you're caught up in stuff and, and I'll say this too, I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly here, but sometimes we bosom buddy, pal, friend with people in ministry. And, and, you know, some of that stuff is good. You can have Mary Martha's, you know, relationships and Jonathan David relationships, nothing wrong with that. But there comes a time when you have to stand before God for yourself and you got to hear God for yourself. And there's sometimes where God, your destinies is, is not in alignment with that person. Then what? Then what are you going to do if you're not going the same route? Because sometimes God will split you up just, you know, just to take you different places in him. So everything is not going to be team tag, buddy, friend, pal. And sometimes we have built, and I've seen this as a senior leader. I've seen this. We have built friendships in the kingdom that are so strong that when the friend goes astray, we go astray right along with the friend. When the friend is going through crisis, we don't pull them out. We get right down and, and do the same thing that they do. Be very careful about that. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the road I was heading on. I was so closely connected with people that the things that they were doing, I was doing it too. And I was being blinded because that's what everybody was doing. But God told me, he said, you come out of that. You come out of it. I got some, I got some other things for you to do. And, and that path that you're taking is, is you're going to, you're going to um, self-destruct and you're going to shorten the plan of, of, you know, shorten my debt, shorten my purpose in your life. Cause I'm not going to be able to use you while you're doing that, while you're walking with them. 
while you, you know, cutting up and acting crazy. I'm, you know, picking at people and stuff. I can't use you. And I had to make a decision. Okay. Very hurtful. Very hurtful. Even to this, even until this day, um, it's not the same. You know, those relationships are not the same. No animosity or nothing, but it's just not the same. I had to separate myself. Okay. And, and, and I, I think now everybody kind of understands. Back then didn't so much, but I think now everybody understands it, understands it. Um, but for me, I, I'm just, I don't know who needs to hear this testimony, but for me, I needed the woman of God to get in my face. I needed that. I didn't buck at her. I didn't like what she said. No, I didn't understand it. No, but I did not buck. I took it. I took it. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. The fact that I can tell you anything today is, is partly because I pulled away when God told me to. So again, when you see somebody overtaken in a fault, whether God is revealing it to you prophetically or whether you see something, you know, if you're that one, you may not be the one. You, it may be for you to talk to a senior, somebody and say, hey, you know, this is what God is showing me. But, you know, I'm not really the one, you know, you can pray about it. If God is dealing with you, blah, 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 you know, um, however that works. But. You, you, you would want someone, I would think you would want somebody to say, hey, you're going down the wrong road, sis. I love you, girl. You know, we, you know, we, you know, we like that, but you know, God ain't pleased with that at all. You know, you know better than that. You know, oh, bruh, come on, man. You know, God has great things for you. You know, you got your wife, you got your family, you got this ministry or you got this business God is launching. Come on, man. You have to let that stuff go. You have to let that, that, that side thing go. That's a good, a true friend, a true anybody will tell you the truth, even if it costs a relationship. And that's one thing that I have always endeavored is to tell people the truth. And I've made many enemies, but I'd rather tell the truth and make a human enemy than lie to someone and have the fire of God on my hide. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll lose a friend in a minute if it costs me my relationship with my father. So I pray that I've said something to bless your hearts to um, people of God. Thank you for listening. And um, please, you know, if this is where you are, you know, I just ask, it's my prayer that you take heed to it. I know it was, it was a strong one. I, I know that. I realize that. Um, but I think when you look at the content and what's at stake, it had to come like this. Okay. So grace and peace to you until next time. God bless you.